Thank you for your patience already. So tonight, this isn't uh, this isn't a new thing for us. Um, this we've been doing this for many many years. Um, but what we like to do first is make sure we glorify God and let's let our young men um, who are Christians get up here and and lead us in a, a um, our devo- devotional here at first. So we got. Thomas Long going to lead us in a song, then Anderson's going to lead us in a prayer. Isaac Farr is going to give us our Devo tonight. Turner then is going to lead an invitation song. It's, it's, it's not a normal invitation song. It's the one song, it's the song he's prepared for lads, so we'll let him lead that. Uh, then I'll get up and get a few announcements, and then Gibson will lead us in a closing prayer. So that's what we're going to do here at first. So if you can make your way in, uh, we'll start this time worship together. Thomas? Good evening. Today I'll be singing Stand on the Promises 452, Staying on the Promises 452. I'll be singing the first and fourth verse. song will be 412 Jesus hold my hand let's pray dear Lord thank you for this day thank you for everything you gave us dear Lord please help Isaac Isaac as he prepared his speech dear Lord and please help all these other kids have the courage to come up here dear Lord in Jesus name amen good evening I'd first like to go to Chapter, wait, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. That's where this story is going to be. But I would first like to say something about it first. There's a modern day story that goes exactly with Nehemiah chapter 2. And it's what just happened. These last two weeks. Amory and a bunch of other places were destroyed by storms. Thousands lost power. 
hundreds injured, and dozens killed. Now, just how we heard it on the news, or we were there, Nehemiah heard it. And when he heard it, he was the king's cupbearer. And he just heard of his father's grave, as he quotes it, being destroyed. So the place of his father's grave had just been destroyed. And now he has to go give a cup to the king that just destroyed his father's home. So in chapter 2, verse 1, about halfway through it, it says, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. And I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tomb, lies desolate and its gates been consumed by fire? Then the king said and prayed to the God of heaven. So, he's talking to one of the most powerful people on the planet. He's talking to the king. And he's sad because his place just got destroyed. And what does he do for courage? He prays. And then, in verse 5, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king... And if your servant has found favor in, the, in your four, you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. So now, he prayed about it, then he went and volunteered. That's exactly what this church did when Amory got struck. We prayed about it, then we went and volunteered. We gave meals out. We volunteered. And then in verse 6, the king, then the king said to me, queen sitting right beside him, How long will your journey be, and will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. I gave him a definite time. Now we move on to verse 11. And I arose in the night, I and a few men with me. I did not tell anyone what my God had put the thing into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with which I rode. So I went to the night in the valley gate in the direction of the dragon, well, the refuge gate in Jerusalem, which were broken down and its gates which I consumed fire. Then I passed through the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no place for my mount to ride. So it was so bad that he couldn't even pass through on it. He couldn't get through the road. It was so bad. And he had to rebuild this place. So then we go to verse 17. Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer reproach. And I told them, on the hand of my God, have been favorable to me, and also the king's words, which he had spoken to me. So now, he praises God in verse 17, at the very end of it. He praises him. He says, this could not be known without my God. Then they said, let us rise up and build. Now he's volunteering. Now he's going to finish the work. And then, we move on to chapter 6, verse 15. He did it in 52 days. Just 52 I can promise you that, that, that what just got destroyed will take way longer than 52 days. In conclusion, imagine what God can build in your life if you pray, volunteer, give, up, give the glory to God publicly, and get, finally get to work. If you are subject to the Lord's invitation, please come as we stand and sing. As I travel through this
All right, got a good crowd out there today. Thank you so much for uh, being here to worship God. And then now in just a moment as we say our closing prayer, move into the other part of our activities tonight. I do want to make sure there's not any announcements that need to be made. So I'm going to let Ken come up here. Well, two things really. This afternoon, Jackson Stewart was baptized into Christ. So we're very excited about that. And then uh, Larry handed me this note, and we'll be praying for her in our, our closing prayer. Uh, Margie Bray, this is Larry's sister. She's a member at Snowdown. She fell and broke three bones yesterday. And she're gonna be, she's going to be having surgery tomorrow at Magnolia Hospital in Corinth. She's in room 3378. So if you'd remember her in your prayers. All right, so what's going to happen next is, um, Gibson, I'll say the closing prayer. That's all right. What will happen next is, um, after the closing prayer, uh, we're going to split up. So ladies who normally, let me, let me say this. Tonight we're focusing on, you know there's tons of things we do in Last Leaders. Tonight we're focusing on speech and song leading and Bible reading. But we ask all of our young people who go to at least participate in one of those three are Bible Bow and debate. We have a lot of young people who's doing debate and Bible Bow as well. So you may not see everybody. Uh, but tonight we're focusing on those who are doing speech and Bible reading uh, or song leading. And so the ladies who are going to do that We'll be down in the annex tonight. And so just a moment, when I say the prayer, um, we'll, we'll, we'll separate and do that. Uh, the guys will stay in here. So only ladies, if you want to go, um, if y'all want to go hear some of our young people, the young ladies do their speeches and Bible reading songs, then please go down the annex. The only ladies do that. Everybody else can stay here, and the young men uh, will uh, serve uh, in here in the auditorium. We also want to make sure if you have not had a chance to partake of the Lord's Supper, we want you to, to give you that opportunity. So as you make our way, or as soon as we are, I say the prayer here, if you want to go, it'll be available for you um, in the little chapel uh, off to the left in the foyer. Okay, so that'll also be happening after our prayer. Okay, if you need that. Ladies, don't mind if you take a few song books as well. If you go, uh, that'll, be, that'll be helpful for them. Did I miss anything? Jeremy, I miss anything? True. All right. Thank you so much for being here and loving God and loving our young people. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful for all that you do for us. And we are thankful for how you take care of us and the many blessings that you provide us. We are thankful for moments like this tonight where we can serve you in a variety of ways and, and allow our young people who are not the future of the church, but who are the church, to serve you and to serve others. And Father, we just pray that you'll be with us as we go through the remainder of this night. Help everything we do be to your glory. Give these young people the strength that they need to serve you and to, and to serve the, those that are in the audience listening to them. So Father, that's our prayer tonight. Be with us, of course, as we go to Lads later this week and keep us safe. We've got so many traveling, and we just ask your hands to be upon us. But, Father, of course, we're, we just want to make sure all that we do will be to the glory of you.
We've been asked to pray for Marge Bray, and we want to do that now, but there's, we want to lift her up, and there's so many others we need to lift up that we do every week, and, and every time we have an opportunity, we, we lift those individuals to you. So as we're thinking about those, and there's so many names I know headed your way from the, those saying this prayer with me, we just ask you to be with each one of them, and we ask you to help us as we serve them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, ladies, start heading your way to the annex. My young men, if you're participating tonight, please come down front. All right, we want to get started. Thank you so much again. Young men, thank you so much. Thank you for your courage and for serving God tonight, okay? So we're going to just call out some names, and as we call out those names, there's no specific order, by the way, so just realize that I'm not that good, to, not that organized. So there's no specific order, and I know you like to have your list of people. I'm sorry about that, too. Uh, but we're just we're doing the best we can, okay? And so bear with us tonight as we go through this. I like to start with my man Nathan Smitherman because he kicks us off, okay? Uh, so I'm going to ask Nathan to come up here and kick us off tonight. Something that you might not know about me is that I really like to play video games. One of those games I like to play is Minecraft. In that game, there is survival mode. It's all about building and surviving. You have to use these supplies and tools that you can find in the area to build the strongest houses or buildings to help you survive throughout the rest of the game. It reminds me of the story Jesus told his disciples at the sermon on the mount about how we should listen to his words and use them to build up our faith 
In Matthew chapter 7 and verses 24 through 27, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet and it fell with a great crash. Just like in Minecraft survival mode, we have to have a strong foundation to build onto give us the best protection so we can, so when we are having problems in our life or going through hard times, we just have to remember, there is no stronger or better rock to stand on or build our houses on than what Jesus taught us. All right, Gunner, you ready? Gunner Hodge. Hello. Today I would like to talk about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a trusted servant of the king. He grew up in the city of Jerusalem. When Nehemiah found out that the gates and walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed, he was sad. He wanted to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. walls. Nehemiah had been praying to God about what to do and how to do it. God used Nehemiah's faith and the king's resources to put up put to put him in a position to rebuild the wall. He had all the tools, materials, and workers to complete his task. Does anyone here know what Minecraft is? Well it's a computer game where your goal is to survive and build. You can build anything you can imagine, but to be able to build those things that you need to survive, you must have the tools and materials to complete the task. Much like Minecraft and Nehemiah's situation, we must use the tools and experience that God supplies us to, re to build our lives in Him. And also, like Nehemiah, we must always have faith that God will use us for his will and give us the tools we need to survive, I mean, live our life for him. I, I, I see you, Hayes. If you want to come on up, Hayes, come on up. Hayes Parson. When you read Nehemiah chapter 2, you hear Nehemiah tell the people. When you read Nehemiah chapter 2, you hear Nehemiah tell the people 
that God has a plan to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Do you know what their answer was? According to Nehemiah 2.18, they said, Let us rise up and build. God was going to build a great wall through faithful, obedient servants. But first they had to be willing to let God build them into faithful people. So this got me thinking about building and how God builds. By the way, I love Star Wars, especially Jedi's. Don't worry, I promise I'm not getting off topic. Stay with me. I know, You know what a Jedi is, right? Guys like Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. A Jedi is a good guy who is trained to use the force to battle against the evil forces of the dark side. Do you have an imagine? You have an imagination, right? Okay, good. I, I want I want you to imagine you have been giving given the important job of training the next generation of Jedi's. You you are going to build a you are going to build a Jedi from someone who doesn't know anything into someone who can fight against evil forces of the dark side. Okay, how do you build a Jedi? First, a Jedi must be strong in the in the power of the Force. He has to be trained to use the Force to protect himself against attacker, attackers from the dark side. Second, a Jedi must know how to use a lightsaber. You know what a lightsaber is, right? A a lightsaber is a powerful weapon that is used that uses a energy beam to cut through metal and battle against ev- those e- the evil guys I talked about earlier. Now, I know you think you think I got I've gotten off topic, but I haven't. Listen carefully to the words of Second Corinthians to fourteen. I mean. 10:4 and Ephesians 6:12 For the weapon weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds for we wrestle against flesh we do not for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and against rulers of the darkness and of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We learn from these verses that that we are in a spiritual battle every day against Satan and his and his the and the forces of sin in his word in this world. That that's right. That means God needs to build us into spiritual warriors. Okay, so how does God build each of us into spiritual warriors that he wants us to be? First, just like a Jedi must be strong in the force to protect himself, a Christian warrior must be strong in the faith. Faith. Ephesians 6.16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith which with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one is your faith strong enough to stand up against satan's attacks second a jedi must be trained to be strong in the power of the force just like a christian warrior must be strong in the power of 
God and Jesus. Listen to Ephesians 6, 10 through 11. My, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of might. Pull, put on the whole, whole armor of God that, that you may be able to that 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 you may be able to stand against wiles of the devil. Can you imagine watching a movie where a Jedi uses uses the Force to move objects, knock enemy shots? That's just, but that's just a that's just a movie. This is real. God can train us to use his power, his truth, to knock down every temptation and every attack Satan throws at us. That's awesome. Third, just like a Jedi learns how to use a lightsaber, a Christian has a has a powerful weapon to has a powerful weapon that we he must that we must learn to use in the fight against Satan. Listen to Ephesians six seventeen, and and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Do you understand what this verse means? The Bible is our lightsaber. It is our weapon against the devil. Do you, do you know how to use the Bible in a spiritual battle against Satan? Listen to Second Timothy two fifteen. Do do our best to present ourselves to God, and as one he as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. We don't live in a Star Wars movie. God doesn't need Jedi's. He needs to build each of us in each of us, you and me, into faithful spiritual warriors. Will you let him build you into a spiritual warrior? I will be singing Jesus loves me. First one. Jesus
Good evening. I will be singing Blue Skies and Rainbows, verse 1 and 3. I will be singing Blue Skies and Rainbows, verse 1 and 3. Blue skies and rainbows and stockings from I will be singing I Fly Away 851. I Fly Away 851. I will be singing in the first and third verse.
let's go ahead and start with Luke Jones. Do your song. Today we'll be singing I'll Fly Away number 851. I'll Fly Away number 851, the first and third verses.
Today we'll be reading Psalms 100. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with praise and into his and into his courts with praise and be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Good evening. Today I'll be singing number 909, There's a Fountain Free. 909, There's a Fountain Free. I'll be singing the first and third verses. There's a fountain free for you. do something a little different here and uh y'all may get frustrated with me parents please forgive me i'm picking parents i don't think will be mad at me so i'm going to ask lawson and sullivan and thomas to y'all go into the little chapel so if y'all head that way to the little chapel y'all go ahead and will some people follow them to the little chapel so they can say their speech in front of you please so if you don't mind i need some uh, other people besides parents by the way tristan and um, Dalton and Ross will be saying their speeches in here. And Jack Riley, if you don't mind, if you'll go with them too, Jack Riley. And then, um, so in here we will have Ross, 
Tristan and Dalton finishing up with their speeches, and then, of course, Seth. Where are you at, Seth? You'll be leading us on, okay? Jeremy, uh, y'all take control from here. I'm going to go to the little chapel, okay? This year's theme is Rise Up and Build. It's taken from Nehemiah 2.18. Listen to what the Bible says in this verse. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words which, that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. When Nehemiah told the people that God had a plan for them to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, their response was simple. Let's get up and start building. So let's talk about building things for a minute. How do you think Nehemiah and the people who helped them started building the wall of Jerusalem? Do you think they just started gathering blocks and stacking them up wherever they thought they should go? Of course not. If you continue reading Nehemiah, you will see that they were organized and followed a plan to repair and rebuild the wall. So let me ask you a question. Do you like building things? Have you ever built a model car or a model boat? If you bought a model kit of your favorite car or truck, how would you build it? Would you pour all the parts out on the table and just begin gluing parts to each other as you came along, came to them? Of course not. So how would I build, how would I build a model car? First, I need to make sure I have all the parts. If all of the parts, the model will be incomplete and you would, it wouldn't look right. Then I need that piece of paper that tells you exactly <clears throat> what each piece does and where it goes. You know, the instructions. What happens if I don't follow the instructions? You guessed it. I'd end up with a big mess. So what does this have to do with Nehemiah and rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem? Or the theme, rise up and build. Let me ask you another question. How do you think you build a life that pleases God and serves Jesus? The answer is simple. I must follow God's instructions to live my life for Jesus and then one day live with him in heaven for eternity. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scornful. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted in, by the rivers of the water that brings forth its fruits and its seasons whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. David tells us here that if I want to build a life that pleases God and serves, or pleases God, I must stay away from bad people. But more than that, I have to spend time thinking seriously about what God wants me to do. David says I should listen to God's truth, because I love it and because I want God's truth to change me, the person who God wants me to be. If you don't want God's truth to mold you, don't you want God's truth to mold your life? In Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Jesus tells us about two guys who build houses. One guy followed the instructions and built the house the way it was supposed to be built. The other guy ignored the instructions and built the house the way he wanted it to be built. Both houses were built and everything was great, right? No, not right. When the rain and storms came, do you know what happened to the house built on the sand? You guessed it. The house collapsed, but there is so much more for us to learn here. 
Why did the house built on sand collapse? I know it wasn't built on rock foundation, but think deeper. The house was destroyed during the storm because this builder did not follow destructions. And listen to the words of Galatians 2.20 and Romans 1.16-17. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live by, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved, who loved me and gave himself for me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jews first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. If I am building a life that pleases God and serves Jesus, then I need to live by faith. And faith is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there is more. In 1 Timothy 4, 13-16, we are told to give attention to reading to your, your exhortionist. To doc and to doctrine. Meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. It is not, it is not enough to have the instructions. I have to build a faithful life of obedience by studying, learning, growing, and living out what the Bible says. Okay, let's review. First, the walls of Jerusalem weren't rebuilt until God, Nehemiah took God's instructions and got busy working. Second, a box full of model car parts are worthless until I, put, until I follow the instructions and put them together carefully. Third, I can only build a life that pleases God if I get busy learning from the Bible what God wants me to do and start living that way. Last question, are you building a life that pleases God? Good evening. As I thought about our theme of last the leaders this year, Rise Up and Build, I couldn't help but think of our wonderful nation, the United States of America. Oh, how it needs to be focused on God. We need so much to rebuild the walls around her, to protect her from the evils around her. I have put together a short devo that hopefully focuses our minds on what should really be important to us. Before I dive into the lesson, I want to explain how I came to put this on paper. A few weeks ago, my English 3 teacher asked me and my class to write a short essay on a freedom that is important to us. Since every freedom the others in my class came up with didn't seem very relevant to me, I decided to write my essay on the freedom of religion. I would like to share my thoughts from that essay with you tonight. Do people really know why they were created or what great being decided to put them through these so-called trials? Maybe there are people who believe that the world is a bit like the Matrix. Thomas Jefferson stated in his letter to the Danbury Baptists, believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, I contemplate with sovereign reference that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof thus building a wall of separation between church and state. This is a great reference from a highly respected man who in his long life created many documents concerning our American freedoms and liberties. Freedom of religion is the most important freedom because it gives a person a chance 
to enter heaven. It enables them to see Jesus in person and to ask those long thought questions that take deep explaining. Lastly, it enables everyone to be a better version of themselves. The first reason this freedom is important to me is because it gives a person a chance to enter heaven. There are many instances in the Bible that talk about how a person must believe and be baptized or cleansed from their sins. A verse that impacts me daily that is found in the Bible is, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 3, verse 5. It is evident now that since the believer in Jesus Christ is baptized in water and spirit and carries through his daily walk in life through him, then he or she can have a home in heaven. I find this verse important because it encourages me every day to understand the great being called God, who sent his only son to die for me and encourages me to live my life to the fullest for him. The second reason this freedom is important to me is because it enables the Christian to see Jesus Christ and to walk with him. Through studying the Bible, I have found many verses in Jesus' teachings of him claiming the great walk we all look forward to on that day to come. The Bible states, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2, verse 10. As we can see, the Bible explains how at one point in life we will pass from this earthly world and go on to that long-awaiting judgment. We as Christians need to strive every day to prepare ourselves for that day so we can hear, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. The third reason that this freedom is important to me is because it enables all people to be a better version of themselves. Have people ever wondered why they do what they do or why bad things happen? Well, it can really be summed up with a first sin and what happened in the Garden of Eden. The Bible states, So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Genesis 3, verse 14 through 15. Like Adam and Eve sinned, people today are confronted with sin every day. Knowing that there is a way through faith and baptism to have those sins taken away relieves the burden of the dawning cross that people are forced to carry every day. I hope that we as people can help better our own lives by putting more faith in Him who is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Although many believe that this freedom is what makes America so great, there are some out there who claim to be atheists and believe that the world was created through a bang, not by God. They state that there is no God and no proof of him or Jesus Christ walking on, walking on the earth. I'm here to say that this statement is false. I say that because of my faith in, the, in God and the words of the Bible. Science itself also bears witness of the truths of the Bible. Across the world there have been artifacts and ancient pieces found that prove his existence. Regarding the ark and the great flood, an archaeologist by the name of Jones was cited by several media outlets as saying, such parallel line and right angles below the surface are something you would not expect to see in a natural geologic formation. But these results are what you would expect to see if this is a man-made boat matching the biblical requirements of Noah's ark. I'm here to say that this is just one of the many pieces of evidence that can prove that there is a higher being looking over us, and we know that to be God.
In summary, freedom of religion is the most important freedom because it allows all people the opportunity to hear about God, to believe in Him, and to obey the commands He has given us so that we may get to heaven. Because we are allowed to serve God as He has commanded, we have the chance to see Jesus in person and live with Him for eternity. Lastly, it enables everyone to be a better version of themselves. I believe if everyone in our country followed God, God's example, the world would be better off than when we found it. I know that there may still be those who disagree with how important this freedom is, but even if there is more bad in the world, good will always overcome. For those who are ready to take a stand, let their own light shine through and disassemble the darkness. Let's make the world a better place for the next generation. Let's let our light shine so that, we all, that, so that all may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. As I shared the words of my essay with you tonight, I haven't talked much about sin and the dangers of not following God. Since the beginning, since the beginning in the Garden of Eden, sin has simply been a transgression of God's law. If we aren't free to study that law and to obey the commands of the law, how can we know how to be saved? God has been gracious to us in America by giving our forefathers the wisdom to include freedom of religion as one of our basic rights. Because of that right, we are free to hear God's word and we can choose to believe on him. Once we, once we realize we have sinned and are not in the relationship we need to be with God, we must repent of our sins. We must confess God before men and we must be baptized so our sins can be washed away. When we rise from the water of baptism to walk a new life in Christ, from that point forward, we strive each and every day to remain faithful to God so we can spend eternity in heaven. So I, as I end, I want to say one thing to us as lads and future leaders of our churches and schools. I encourage us every day to stand out or rise up and not to conform to the norm of our world has made us think is fine. Let us rise up and be better Christians than before we came here. Thank you. I want to start off this speech by sharing a story with you. A few years ago, we were out on the lake with some friends. I had just finished skiing, and before we hooked up our inner tube, our friend asked if he could learn how to ski. My dad loves teaching people how to ski, so naturally he agreed to this request. Evan jumped in, put on his skis, and then dad spun around to get him the rope. When Evan said he was ready, dad pushed down the throttle, but nothing happened. Well, the engine revved, but the boat didn't move. Naturally, dad tried again and again. The engine revved, but the boat didn't move. He then put it in reverse and nothing happened. We decided to check the propeller to see if it had fouled up. But when Dad trimmed up the motor, I instantly saw what was the problem. The good news was the propeller had not fouled up. The bad news was we no longer had a propeller. I would love to tell you that my dad stayed completely calm and methodically addressed the situation, but that isn't what happened. Dad walked forward to get our anchor, but then Dad stepped on the storage compartment it broke, and he fell through it. We all laughed, though Dad didn't think it was funny. Dad climbed out of the hull of the boat and finally got to our anchor. Dad dropped our anchor, which had about 25 feet of rope, because we never got around to changing the rope. That was fine for the first five minutes, but then a storm came down the river, and the situation deteriorated quickly. Dad thought for a second. Our friends lived closer to the lake than my granddad, who we called Da. We called them first, but they weren't home. 
So dad called Da. Da instantly got out of his chair, hooked up his boat, and came to rescue us. While we were waiting on Da to arrive, mayhem ensued. The, story, the storm moved on us quickly, and the wind was so strong it pulled the boat against the undersized anchor, and suddenly we were in the deep channel. Dad attempted to create a sea anchor, but luckily Da arrived at about this moment and towed us to safely. Later, Dad sold that boat. This story reminds me of a story in the Bible. In this story, we learn of someone who learned of a problem and called on someone else to help it, to help. Turn your Bibles to Nehemiah 1, verse 2. Hananiah, one of my brothers, arrived with the men from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived exile. They said to me, The remnants in the providence who survived exile are in great trouble and disgrace. Jerusalem's wall has been broken down, and its gates have been burned down. While I imagine most of you have never been to Jerusalem, I think I can help you to relate, relate to what Nehemiah just learned about his country. I want you to imagine seeing the White House burned down, the Washington Monument laying on the ground, and Lincoln no longer sitting on that massive seat. Let's return to verse 4. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept. I mourned for a number of days before the God of heaven, praying, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, right here, Nehemiah had a problem, and instantly he prayed. This reminded me of when Dad called Da for help. This is the first point I want you to remember. When you have a problem, call on God to help. Let's skip down to verse 8. Please remember what you command your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I chose my name to dwell. They are your servants and your people. You redeem them by your great power and strong hand. Please, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to that of your servants who delight to revere your name. Give your servant success today and have compassion on him in the presence of this man. At the time, I was the king's cupbearer. This brings me to my second point. Realizing you have a problem and calling on God to help is important, but you must also decide to do something. In this story, Nehemiah asked God to help him be successful. When we were on the lake, Dad dropped the anchor even after falling through the deck. He called for help, and he took action. If he hadn't done this, we might still be flowing on that river. Let's turn back to Nehemiah. In chapter 2, we learn that Nehemiah asked the king for permission to rebuild Jerusalem. Later on in verse 18, the Bible says, I told them how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. They said, let's start rebuilding, and they were encouraged to do this good work. Nehemiah didn't keep his mouth shut about God helping him. By sharing the news about what God did, he was able to motivate more people to help him. This is my third point. I started out this speech by sharing a story with you. I share a personal story with you so you would know about how my granddad helped me. Now that is my final lesson for you. Right now, think about something God has done for you and make it a point to go and tell someone else. Imagine what we could build if we all shared how awesome God has been to us. Aaron was waving at me, so I think we're going to wait just one moment, but we're going to have everybody come in together, and we're going to sing the song together with Seth, and then we'll have an opportunity to uh, recognize all the uh, participants that we've seen today. 
Uh, I know I'm proud of each and every one of them. I know each of the parents here and everybody that's been working with them is real proud of them. So we want to make sure we give them the recognition that they're due and, um, and such. Thank you all for your uh, attention tonight and uh, uh, your participation in song to them. Ken, I'm not as good at stretching out of time as you might be, but I'm doing my best up here. Uh, let's see here. Y'all just keep keep your seats for just a moment, and then once uh, they, they leave the little chapel and, and join us, we'll let Seth lead us in one final song, okay? <clears throat> Eight fifty two, when the roll is called up yonder. Eight fifty two, the first and third verse. young man would you stand up real quick y'all don't mind give him a round of applause please all right y'all can be seated real quick we're going to say a closing prayer here uh, it's a good problem to have so many young men wanting to do either speech or song leading bible reading um, to where it lasts longer than an hour. I tried to make it
close as I could. I was a little off in splitting, but that's okay. I'll learn from that and do a little better next year. Um, young man, thank you. We love you. We're so proud of you. If you don't mind, bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we are, again, now as we close, we want to give you the glory for every single thing. We are so thankful how you work in these young men and these young ladies' lives through their parents, through the congregation here, through their other family members that help them and support them to grow up to serve you, to live for you. Father, we're, we just want to thank you and make sure you know we don't take all your work to make things like this happen tonight for granted. So, Father, we just um, want to lift up these young men, these young ladies. We want to thank you for them. And I want to thank you for this congregation, for every single member that's here that loves these young people, that wants to support them. And I just ask you to just be with us all. Is give us the energy to continue to support them as they grow um, in your love and in your life to live for you, in their life to live for you. We want to thank you as we close. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all very much. Thanks for being here tonight. Don't forget, congregational meeting is up front now. Congregational